give you glory. Hallelujah. And Lord, have your way in this place today. Move by your spirit. Speak to each and every one of us. Let nobody leave this place the same. Give us a fresh word. Let there be a special anointing that's released in this place. Let nobody leave this place the same. I pray that the ears of your people be open to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the short church. Let their hearts be open to receive their minds that they may understand their eyes that they may see. Lord, let us let us listen with both ears to hear what you're saying today. And Father, for we just thank you. We bless you. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. Give Jesus a praise. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't you just get up out your seats and greet somebody. Give somebody a good handshake, give them a hug. Welcome them to the house of God this morning. And just tell them it sure is good to see you in the house this morning. everybody doing today? You guys good? Amen, amen. Amen. We're going to get right into the word of God this morning. If you guys have your Bibles, if you need one, just raise your hand. We'll make sure you have one. But if you, right, right back here. But turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to read verses 17 and 18, and I'm reading in the Amplified Version. I'll give you a minute to get there. Proverbs 23, 17 through 18. And again, I'm in the Amplified All right, so I want to get started with something new today. Um, this is like just to kind of build a little foundation. I'm going to get to my message in a minute, but this is just to kind of build a little foundation. But in Proverbs 23, 17, and 18, it says there, um, do not let your heart envy sinners or those who live godless lives and have no hope of salvation. It says, but to continue to live in the reverent, worshipful, and worshipful fear of the Lord day by day. And then it says there, surely there is a future and a reward, or surely there is an end. And your expectation or your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Now, um, I'm going to read this just kind of how God gave it to me. I was thinking about this. Uh, I saw this scripture the other day. But I put here, you know, this is something that can become very difficult for us as believers. And that is watching sinners live better lives than we do, prospering, you know, doing good, stuff like that, you know. And I put here, you would think that if you serve God, you would live good, and those that, 
that don't would be suffering. That would be your thought, right? I said, but it appears that the opposite seems to be happening. Those that love God, they struggle while people that live in sin, they begin to do well, you know. And that can be extremely discouraging for the believer. And you can begin to wonder, like, why are you, why are you serving God if you're going to suffer, you know? While those that can care less about God, they're, they're prospering. And I put here, see, that's why this scripture is so important for us to grasp. It says, to not, don't, don't let your heart begin to be envious of those that are living in sin. Even if they look like they're doing well and prospering. Don't let your heart become envious of how well they're doing. You know, don't let your heart start being envious. Because you can start thinking about, well, what am I doing all this for? You know, I'm trying to live for God, and here I am struggling. People don't think about God, they're doing good. You know, he said, don't let your heart envy sinners. He says, but to continue to live in the fear of the Lord day by day. Or in other words, don't lose your fear of God or your reverence or your respect for him, thinking that others are doing better than you without God. Don't, don't, don't let that happen. And I put here, see, that's why it says there is an end or there is a future. There's a hope. There's an expectation. And I put here, you see, our reward comes in the future. And, uh, you know, my, my wife calls it the back end blessing because <laughs> you don't get it up front, you know, because God always saves the best for last. That's what the Bible says. He always saves the best for last. And I put here, you see, just like Israel, we are required to go through the wilderness for a time a time of preparation, a time of testing, a time of proving, and really is a, is a time where God begins to train us in his word. You know, to, it requires faith to walk this walk. And God always has us to go through a time of preparation, a time of testing, and a time of proving to see whether or not we will follow the word, even though it doesn't look like anything is happening. So we always have to go through this process and I put here, however, our wilderness is leading to the promised land, just like Israel's was. See, they, they had to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. They had to go through it. And I put here, if you hang in there, you will reap a harvest in the good land that God has promised to you. But you got to hang in there. I put, so don't be distracted by how well people are doing around you. People that don't know God, people that don't want nothing to do with God. Don't, don't be envious. Don't, don't get distracted by what's going on with them. And see, this is what God gave me. I, see, I said, they also have an end. Remember, the inhabitants of the promised land were enjoying themselves while Israel was suffering in the wilderness. All that time, they were hanging out. They were having a good time in the promised land. Israel is wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness while they're enjoying all of the good land. But they have an end as well. See, they, they get to enjoy oftentimes up front. But then on the back end, they pay a price. And I put here, when Israel arrived, the people that lived in the promised land had to go. <laughs> See, they were just taking care of the promised land until Israel got there. And I put here, see, like the Bible says, the wicked store up treasures to turn it over to the righteous. And that's why they're doing so well now. They're gathering it up. The Bible says they're heaping it up to turn it over to those that live right for God. See, that's why you can't, you can't get caught up in, you know, how well others are doing. 
that is the process of God. If you look at, if you look at the scriptures, particularly if you really uh, spend time reading in an Old Testament, every great man of God had to go through a process. Every, every one. Israel had to go through that process. You see Abraham had to go through that process. You see that, that David had to go through a process. David is anointed king, but then spends years on the run. Why Saul is the king. Now the presence of God has departed from Saul, but he's still sitting on the throne. He's still enjoying the privileges of being king, but he ain't got no presence of God on him. The presence of God is on David, and here David is hiding in caves. <laughs> he's running from Saul. Saul is living the life of a king while David is hiding out in caves. So he had to go through that process, but in his end. See, Saul had was removed from the throne, and David became the greatest king that Israel ever saw. It's all about a process. Joseph had to go through the process. He's living, he's, he's a slave in Egypt for 13 to 17 years before he is promoted to being in charge of the whole nation. So I always said, you know, see, I ra I'd rather end up good than start off, you know, start off good and then lose everything. I ra I'd rather, you know, have a little rocky start, go through a little wilderness, but that, you know, but all the rest of my life is blessed. See, but you got to be willing to go through the process. All right, so that really was not my message, but I wanted to kind of say that because, you know, I know, I, I know when people's heart starts feeling like that, I can, I can sense it, you know. And uh, the more I talk to people and stuff like that, I sense that that's what is going on in the hearts of people. You know, they look around and they see other people doing well, and it's like, well, what about me? Here I am loving Jesus, I'm serving, you know, and, and I'm, I'm struggling. There is an end. And it says, and your expectation will not be cut off. There is an end to all of the hell you've been going through. There's an end to the suffering. And then your expectation, that thing that you've been believing for and expecting from God, it won't be cut off. You just got to continue to hold on and go through your process. When you come out on the other end, you'll be moving into the promised land. So now I want to get into my message. So turn your Bibles to Psalms 23. Uh, verse 4. Now, this is what um, I really want to minister on today. Now, I feel like that that I just said was really God for some of you here today. No question about that. And I think you, and you need to receive it. You need to receive that for yourself. But in Psalms 23, 4, it says, even though I walk through the, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And it says, your rod in the, in the Amplifiers, it says to protect, and your staff to guide. They comfort and consult me. And so I put here, see, what I really wanted to talk about today was this. I wanted to speak about, this is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about perception versus reality. Perception versus reality. And I put here, you see, many of us have gone through or are going through the valley of the shadow of death. This place represents the dark places that we have to walk through in life. Now, there are a few things that I want to mention about this valley. 
The first thing is that the Bible states that we're going through the valley and not to the valley. That's the first thing. In other words, the valley is not the destination. It's the passage that we have to go through to get to better things. It's, yea, do I go through, not to it. I'm not going to stop in the valley of the shadow of death. I have to go through the valley to get to the other side, which is leading to better things. So, yea, do I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm just going through it. I'm not going to it. I'm not going there to stay. Don't get stuck in the valley. <laughs> just, keep, just keep moving through it, knowing that God is with you and that he has given you everything that you need to get through it. See, I don't mind, if I'm to go, I don't mind going through something as long as I'm going to something. And I always say this, but see, Jesus' destination wasn't the cross. Now, he had to go through the cross, but that wasn't his final destination. He went through the cross, and now, after he went through that, now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us and expecting until his enemies become his footstool. And now, and, and because, and see, because he stooped, the Bible says, because he stooped down so low, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow and things in heaven, things on earth and things underneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father because he was willing to stoop so low. Because he was willing to go through his valley of the shadow of death. See, if you, if you, if you can just get through it, you'll be moving on to something better. You just got to get through it. So I'm not going to it, I'm going through it. Again, this is, it's the wilderness, right? That Israel had to go through to get to the promised land. That's always the process of people of God. They come out of Egypt, out of darkness, out of sin, out of the world. They go through a wilderness that leads them to the promised land. So the important thing to remember is that we need to go through this place to get to a better place. So don't stop there. Go through it so that you can get to your destination. That's number one. Number two, the second thing that I wanted to mention about this valley is that it's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's not the valley of death. We're not going through the valley of death. You're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And I put here, you see someone or something shadow is not the real thing. Right? When you see someone shadow, that's not the person. It's just a shadow. And I put here, shadows always look bigger than the real thing. Shadow is never the size. My shadow is bigger than me. And if you looked in my shadow, you may think I was 12 feet tall. But that's just my shadow. And I put here, death has a shadow. But the shadow gives the illusion that it's bigger than what it actually is. I say this to say this. The problem always appears bigger than what it actually is. It's an illusion, but not the real thing. 
See, the devil always wants to make you think that whatever you're going through is the end of the world. It's the biggest problem. It's so huge, you'll never get through this. You'll never make it through this situation. I got news for you. If you're sitting here today, then you have made it through 100% of the problems that you've ever faced in life. Every one of you. Every, you face problems, I don't think I'm ever going to get through this. Guess what? You're here. <laughs> and if you're going through something right now, guess what? You're going to get through this too. God is faithful, and he's going to get you through every single situation that you'll ever have to face. Again, it's a shadow. It's not the real thing. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Death wants you to make it think it's big and bad. But I got news for you. There's nobody bigger and badder than the God that you serve. So that's number two. Number three, I put here, see, God says here that there's no need to fear this place. And the reason why is because although you're walking through this valley, you're not alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm, I feel no evil. Why? Not because I'm bad. <laughs> not, because I'm, not because I'm strong. Not because I can defeat the devil on my own. I have no fear because you're with me. I'm not walking through this place alone. See, if I was walking through this place by myself, I may have a reason to fear. If I didn't have God walking with me, I might have, I might, I should fear because I'm on my own. But I'm not on my own. He's with me. I love that. See, I have no fear because you're with me. I love that. And I put here, he's also provided us with spiritual weapons to deal with the enemies that lurk in this place. His rod, which is symbolic of the word of God. And his staff, which is symbolic of the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, are with you to comfort you as you walk through this place. See, he's equipped you with everything that he, he, he has left you, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He's given you his word to defeat any enemy that ever comes in your way. And then he's given you the Holy Spirit to be on the inside of you, to be with you at all times, to lead you and to guide you and to direct you into right places. And I put here, see, but there's only one issue with that. That is the rod or the word of God can't protect you if you don't read it. And the spirit can't guide you if you're not submitted to the direction of the Holy Ghost. And I put here, see, that's why people don't feel comfort when they go through rough times. They don't feel the comfort because they don't spend time in the word, learning what God promises are. See, when you know the promises of God and you know that there is no need to fear, because he's with you and because he can conquer any foe. When you have that, when that is burned on the inside of you, when you, go in, when you walk up against things, you won't be as shook as you are. Because you know, you see, I may not be that bad, but I know nobody's better than my God. I nobody, nobody can take me down because he, he's with me. See, when you really believe that and you really know that, when you face situations, it won't bother you. And I put here, you know, 
If the word of God is going to work in your life, you got to read it. And then you got to speak it. And if the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, you got to be open to listening. He will guide you if you listen. He will direct you if you allow him to lead you. So his rod and his staff, they comfort me. His word, the word of God comforts me. When, I, when the devil attacks my mind with something crazy, his word comforts me. When the devil tells me I can't make it, I say I can do all things through Christ who daily infuses me with inner strength. See, his word, it comforts me. When the devil tries to attack you with sickness in your body, you can say, I, I am healed by the stripes of my Lord Jesus. My Lord took all those stripes on his back so that I could experience healing in my physical body. I don't accept no sickness on me in Jesus' name. See, his word comforts me. His word comforts me. When I feel like I'm defeated, I, I just hear in my ear, I'm more than a conqueror through him that's loved me. See, his word comforts me. And then his spirit is there to guide me. I say, Holy Spirit, just show me the way I need to walk. Show me what I need to do. Give me direction. Because he is here to lead. And he's the comforter. I love that. He is the comforter. That's why, that's why the Bible says he com I'm comforted in his place. Because the Holy Spirit is my comforter. He's the one that's been called alongside me. He is the part of God that will never leave you or forsake you. He will No matter what you do. He'll never leave you. No matter what situation you find yourself in, he'll never leave you. All you have to do is call on him. He's right there. He ain't going nowhere. So when I'm walking through this, this rough place, the word of God is there to comfort me. His spirit is there to comfort me, to guide me and direct me. So I want to talk about perception versus reality because, see, we... When we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, our perception is, man, this thing is, this problem is so big. This situation is so huge. How am I going to get through it? See, it's the, it's the shadow that's scaring you. It seems like it's big. But if you were to see, you know, one day, you know, the Bible talks about one day, we're going to see the devil for who he is. We're going to see the devil for who he is. And, it's, and, and the Bible says that people are going to say, is this, is this the, the man? Is this him that, that caused all of this trouble to have me? In? Is this him? Because he's already a defeated foe. He's been defeated already. He don't have no power over you with the exception of the power of deception The spirit, you know, he, he will try to deceive you. But he'll speak to you and try to de deceive you. Make you believe a lie. And the biggest lie that he ever sold was that he's bigger and badder. He's just as big and bad as God is. But he got kicked out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And I, mean, I mean, when he got kicked out of heaven, I mean, he hit this, he hit this earth hard, man. He felt like lightning. I mean, that was your big bang, right? The devil getting kicked out of heaven. <laughs> Man, I mean, he hit this, this earth so hard. 
It threw this world into the, into the what do they call that? The um, ice age. <laughs> Killed every dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, hit this hard work hard, man. And we on one day, we gonna look. We gonna be like, is 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 this really him? Here I am. I was scared all this time. I'm thinking the devil's all big and bad. He was gonna tear me apart. He gonna chew me up and spit me out of his mouth. And this is him. That's why the Bible says, I'm not, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He said, there ain't no need for you to fear. He said, I've given you, Jesus said, I've given you power over, over all of the works of darkness. And there's nothing by any means shall hurt you. So, all right, let me move on. Perception versus reality. Let's look at Perception. Turn to Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 33. Let's look at perception. In Numbers 13, 25 through 33. Now, this is when Moses had sent out the 12 spies to search out the land the first time. They went out to scout the promised land and to see whether or not it was really flowing like milk and honey, just like God said. So they sent 12 spies out to just check it out. And they walk around the land, and they do that for 40 days. After 40 days, they come back, and um, they took some of the fruit from it. They saw that it was a land flowing milk and honey, and here they are back to give their report to Moses. And it says in verse 25, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So he said, just like God said, it was surely, I mean, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful just like God said it was. I mean, here's the fruit. Check it all out. But then they say, in verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Now, the Anak or the Anakim were giants. They said, we saw giants when we were there. And it says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now, when, now when Caleb starts hearing all of this stuff, he, he immediately he starts to recognize, okay, these people are, are beginning to get fearful. I need to interject. Let me, let me say something. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. And possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. See, stop talking all of this mess about how big these guys are. Let us go up at once and let us take this land. Because we're able to do it. It says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against this people. For they are stronger than we. You got to be so careful about who you hang around with, man. And you got to be so careful about who you let speak into your life. So you need to have Caleb's in your life. That no matter how big or bad a situation look, they're like, come on, let's go. Let's do it. 
That's who you need to have in your life. You need to have somebody that's not afraid of nothing. Let's do it, man. Let's go up at once. Let's not waste no time about this thing. These guys, we're not able to go up against these people. I don't want nobody like that around me. When I start talking about going after stuff, I don't want nobody telling me I can't. Telling me, I, you're, you, oh, I don't know how you're going to do that. Oh, I, I, you see how difficult that is? I don't want nobody around me like that. I hang up the phone with people like that quick. Or I stop talking real quick. I stop sharing stuff with them real quick because I don't want nobody discouraging me from doing something that God's calling me to do. I don't care how bad a situation or how difficult a situation look. If God has called me to do it, I'm ready. Let's do it. So they say, we be not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the Lord, uh, unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. He said, if we go over there, they're going to eat us up. <laughs> he said, man, you don't want to mess around with the people over there because they're going to eat us up. And it says, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. In other words, they're very tall. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And this is the key. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. See, that's the negative perception. In our own eyes, when we looked at them, when we looked at ourselves in comparison to them, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And if we were in grasshoppers in our sight, then we must have been to them. And I, I just put here, you know, see, this is the, the effect of fear-filled and unbelievable, unbelieving words is this. After the people hear this, they begin to say, why have you brought us out into the wilderness to kill us? And they begin to try to elect somebody to become a new, take, get a new leader so that they can lead them back to Egypt so that they can go back to slavery. They were ready to, they would rather be slaves than to fight. Let's just go back to Egypt, man, you know. At least, at least we weren't getting killed over there. And we were in slavery, but we, weren't getting, we wasn't getting killed over there. Maybe we should just go back. Let's find us a new leader. And then God had to deal with them. And he wound up saying, eventually, God said, all right, you've been talking this stuff for so long. He said, now I'm going I'm to give you exactly what you said. You said that I brought you out into this wilderness to kill you. He said, now you're going to have exactly what you say. Now you're going to die in this wilderness. You ain't going into this promised land. And one of, one of the most, I think, heartbreaking scriptures but one that we, we constantly need to read is Deuteronomy 1, 2. It says, it's only 11 days journey from Oreb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. 
Yet Israel took 40 years to get behind it. An 11 days journey from Egypt to the promised land took Israel 40 years because of unbelief. That was a good time for that, I think. <laughs> An 11 days journey. And I always think about that, you know. Have I hindered myself, you know, because of unbelief? Have I slowed up the process? See, we got to ask ourselves that. Have I slowed my process up? Should I be further right now? Should I be experiencing something else right now? But I'm not because I have allowed some kind of fear or doubt or unbelief to enter in. How much further would I be right now if, if I would believe everything that God told me? Because, see, we, we, we want to blame everything on the devil. Or if we don't blame it on the devil, we blame it on God. But ultimately, you know, we have to look at ourselves. And we have to say, what are we doing that's hindering us from being further? Because it's choice, not chance, that determines destiny. You know, luck doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with it. The devil ain't bad enough to stop the move of God in your life. And God will always do his part. So to know it boils down to, am I hindering myself in some way? Am I, am, I, am I walking in fear? Am I walking in unbelief? Am I doubting when God is telling me that I need to do something? I'm going to show you some stuff in these scriptures, man. I'm going to show you some stuff in these scriptures. But see, that is the perception. See, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So we must have been in theirs. We must be like grasshoppers. When they saw us, they must have said, we're going to eat them up. We're going to tear them Israelites up if they come over here. And they were afraid when they saw how big those giants were. And I put here, see, the problem, see, the problem is this. The 10 spies' perception was wrong and their focus was off. They believed that they were too small to face these giants. The problem was they were looking at themselves in comparison to the giants instead of looking at the giants in comparison to their God. That was the problem. You see, they weren't alone in this fight. See, that's why I wanted to go through that first scripture. See, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. I'm not by myself. Now, if I was by myself, maybe I, maybe I would be afraid of some giants. But I'm not, a, I'm not by myself. I was trying to find an image. You know, the devil attacked my computer last night. I was trying to find an image that had, like, you know, small guy, the giant, and then, like, a, then like a big angel standing above him, you know, so that we can get a visual of what it looks like in the spirit. See, now you look at yourself in comparison to your problem. It's big, right? It may be bigger than you, but nothing is bigger than your God. And see, again, if you had to do it by yourself, then maybe you have to worry. But you don't have to. You're not in it by yourself. 
So the issue was that they were looking at the giants in comparison to themselves. Yes, in our own eyes, we became, we are like grasshoppers. But see, in God's eyes, those giants were like grasshoppers. And I went on to say, you know, you see, they weren't alone in this fight. God was fighting for them. They believed that they were no match for the giants, which was true if they were fighting alone. But because God was fighting for them, those giants had no chance because no one can defeat our God. And that's what you have to remember the next time you face an impossible challenge. You're not alone in your fight. You're not by yourself. Never forget that you're not by yourself. Never forget that. See, we leave God out of the equation when we go into situations. That's why the first thing that I do when I run into something that's bigger than me is I hit the ground and I start praying. All right, this is too much for me. I, 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 I need your help with this situation. The amazing thing is that if you begin to call on God, instead of trying to figure out stuff on your own, instead of being worried, instead of being in fear, instead of doubting, right, and you call on God, he'll begin to give you answers on what you need to do to deal with that situation. If you get God involved in your equation, he'll begin to figure out the thing that you couldn't figure out. He'll begin to, he'll begin to give you answers to it. You just got to get him involved. So now I got to move. But see, that was the perception. Now I want to show you the reality. So now in Joshua chapter 2. Now at this point, Moses is dead. All of 40 years has gone by. All of those Israelites that doubted God, they all died. Even Moses is dead. And now Joshua has been giving, given the, the mantle. Now he's, in, now he's the leader. And in Joshua 2, the Bible says, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as scouts secretly from Shechem, saying, go view the land. Now, this is the second time that they're about to go into the promised land. So he sends two spies. Go view the land, especially Jericho, which is the walled city. So they went and came to the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they lodged or they stayed there. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 8. Now, it says, now before the two men lay down to sleep, Rahab came up to them on the roof, and she said to them, now listen to this, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror and dread of you has fallen on us. See, I showed you perception, now I want to show you reality. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror and dread of you has fallen on all of us. And that all the inhabitants of the land have melted in despair because of you. <laughs> For we have heard the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. This happened. You know how long that happened? 40 years ago. They, they still remember what God did to Egypt? We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan on the east, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And it says, and when we heard it, our hearts melted in despair. And a fighting spirit no longer remained in any man because of you. Here they are over there, scared of all these people of this land. And all this time, these people scared of them. 
is that their hearts melted, man. Can you imagine? I mean, that's some language. Their heart melted because of you. And a fighting spirit no longer remained in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. <laughs> now, this is, this is a godless woman, right? They're serving all of these false gods in, in Canaan. And even she knows how bad our God is. And she's like, man, you know, we, 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 we heard about you. 40 years ago, we heard, about, we heard about you. And everybody's scared because of you. And he says, and now please swear an oath to me by, by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and faithfulness and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters along with everyone who belongs to, to them and let us all live. Amazing. Perception versus reality. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we must have been to them. When those people saw us, they thought they was going to chew us up and spit us out. They said, we're going to kill those Israelites if they come over here. All this time, those people are talking about how God dried up the Red Sea and how they walked over the Red Sea on dry land and how they tore Egypt up and then how they tore up the two kings of the Amorites. I mean, the whole nation is buzzing, talking about the Israelites. And here they are all this time in fear. Oftentimes we sit and worry about situations, and we're worrying about things, we, I mean, that we should never be worried about. Amazing. See, again, those people, the Israelites, they had a grasshopper mentality. You can't have a grasshopper mentality when you're walking with God. They had a grasshopper mentality. Their perception was that the people thought they were like grasshoppers in comparison to them. Now they find out after all this time that the people of the land were really afraid of them. They didn't think they were grasshoppers at all. That's what Israelite, the Israelites' poor perception was of themselves. The reality was that the people were really scared of them, or should I say, scared of their God. Rahab told the spies that the terror and the dread of you has fallen on all of us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted and despaired because of you. And why were they so afraid of them? Because they heard what their God did to the Egyptians. Think about that. All this time, they wasted being afraid of an enemy that was really afraid of them. They wasted 40 years because of fear, doubt, and worry. 40 years. 40 years of additional suffering in the wilderness. By now, they could have been in the promised land enjoying the blessings of Canaan, but they continue to wander around in the desert. All because they believed something that wasn't true. You believe that all this time, believing something that wasn't true. My question to you is how many years have you wasted believing a lie? How many times has fear stopped you from going after something that you wanted? 
How many times have you allowed the devil to tell you that you can't do it? How many times have you let people discourage you from trying to do better? I put here, you probably could be in your promised land right now if you wouldn't have listened to them years ago. The good news is that it's never too late with God. Now that you know, it's time to get up and go get it. Don't let no enemy hold you back from your promised land. Not another day. Get up and go get it. Stop being afraid of what might happen. Stop being fearful of the unknown. And go after what you believe God is telling you to go for. All this time, you probably, I can imagine, you know, people, you just sit, sit around. Well, what if, I, what if I try and it don't work? Well, it, it don't work then. If you're trying and it don't work, it don't work. Try something else. You know, I told people, you know, one thing about me is that I'm, I'm very, I'm very aggressive, like going after stuff. I'd rather go for something and, and not attain it or fail at it than, than not go after it and then have regrets. I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried that. If I would have did that, what would have happened? I wonder. I said, I'm not going to have no wonders. I'm going for it. And if I, if I get it, that's awesome. If I don't, then I learn something. Either way, we're not losers, we're learners. Never forget that. We're not losers, we're learners. Either you attain something, or if you don't make it, then you learn something as a result of it. But don't be afraid to go for it. Don't, don't be afraid to go for it. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Don't let people talk you out of it. The devil just used people to discourage you. Oh, yeah, you're going to go back to school. You're working. You got a kid or whatever. You know, how are you going to do that? People do it every day. That's how I'm going to do it. Other people, people do it every day. I'd rather go for it, man. You know who these guys are? They're giants in the land. I'm taking those giants down. See, you got to have that attitude like, like David did, man. David came up on the scene, and he sees, he sees Goliath talking all of this junk to the Israelites and all of them running. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's going to defy the armies of the living God? What's wrong with you guys? Are you guys running from this guy? What's wrong with y'all? So he wasn't looking at himself. He said, you're going to defy the armies of the living. When he talked to, to Goliath, he said, God's going to give me something. I'm going to cut your head off. He said, God's going to give you into my hands. So he wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm going to cut your head off. He, he said, God's going, to, God's going to do this through me. So you got to understand that God's going to do some stuff through you. And that's why you can't be in fear. Because it's not you out there by yourself. Yea, though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. I don't have any need to be afraid because you're with me. I know your presence is constantly with me. 
All right, you guys look like you're not happy about this. All right, I guess I'm going to keep going until somebody gets happy in here. <laughs> so now this is, I, I, I've deducted what the problem is with most people. Now go to Joshua chapter 18, verses 2 through 6. Now here it is. They're in the promised land now. I mean, and they're tearing people up. And the two most aggressive tribes is Judah and the, and the tribe of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh. When they get into that promised land, the first thing Caleb comes up to him, he said, look, when me and you went out to spy out that land 40 years ago, Moses promised to give me, to give me the land. I came back with a good report. He said, now give me this mountain. And, jo and, jo and Joshua said, go get it. They went up there, they tore those people up, took all the land. And then the tribes of Joseph came to him and said, they took a mountain, and then he said, well, you know, this is not enough room for us. We need more space. He said, well, go take the valley too. And now we come to these people. Joshua 18, two through six. And it says, and there remained among the Israelites seven tribes who, not, who had not yet divided their inheritance. So Joshua asked them, how long will you put off entering to take the possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long are you just going to stand around? What, what are you doing? How long are you going to wait before you go get what God has given you? See, we, we, we think when God, when we think God has given us something, we think he's just going to put it in our hands. You know, my pastor always says that the grapes of blessings are never put in your mouth. They're put within your reach. See, we want to sit back. God, feed me. Bless me, God. Put my feet up. Yeah, God, just one day he's going to bless me. And you won't do nothing. You won't get up. You won't move. See, I always say, you know, see, God will not do for you what you are able to do yourself. God will step in when you can't do anymore. When you have done all you can do, that's when God will step in. Until then, he's, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. The Bible says, having done all, stand. In other words, having done all that the situation requires, having done all you can do, then you can say, now I'm standing. Now I'm waiting on God. Until you've done everything that you can do, you ain't waiting on God. So he tells them, how long will you put off entering to take the possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? See, because the Israelites thought that the, the, the uh, people, the giants were just going to leave. You know, they weren't just going, oh, you guys are here? All right, we'll go. They're not going to do that. They had to drive them out, which means that they had to fight. Now, if they would be bold enough to enter into the fight, then God would be on their side and begin to drive those people out for them. You know, when they got into most fights, the Bible says that they went inside there, they started tearing stuff up, but then God would do things like he sent a hailstorm. 
And this hailstorm killed all these people. And it said more people died through the hailstorm than what Israelite killed. But see, they had to be bold enough to step out. They had to go after it. Now, once they started doing it, then God began to fight for them. See, we want to we sit at home and we want to say, God, go get them. <laughs> fight for me, you know. <laughs> While you're sitting in the house and you don't do nothing. That's not how it works. You got to get yourself involved. You got to start working at it. And then God will get involved. See, most people are lazy. He said, the lazy man, they talk about making excuses in the Proverbs. He says, the, the lazy man, you know, he says, there's a lion outside in the streets. I'll be devoured if I go out there. <laughs> there's danger out there. If I go out there to work, I'm going to be devoured by a lion. In other words, they make excuses for any kind of excuse for anything. How long? How long are you going to wait? How long are you just going to sit back and wait to make a move? How long? And he said, provide for yourselves three men from each tribe so that I may send them and that they may go through the land and write a description of it with regard to the tribal inheritance. Then they shall return to me. They shall divide it into seven parts. The tribe of Judah shall remain in its territory on the south. They've already taken their land. The house of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh, shall be on the territory in the north. They've already taken their land. You shall describe the land in seven divisions and bring the description here to me, and I will cast lots for you here to see what the Lord God says. Some people are just waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Instead of getting in the presence of God and finding out, okay, what's my next move? They're waiting for somebody to direct them. Thank God these guys had a Joshua. They could ask him, what are you doing? That's my role this morning. As your Joshua telling you, what are you waiting for? How long you going to wait? How long, how long you going to sit around? How long are you going to say one day God's going to bless me? How long are you going to say that? Without you doing your part and going for it. How, how long are you going to do that? See, that's one of my jobs is to challenge you. Because I know many of you have great dreams. And many of you have tremendous gifts. And God wants to take those things and do something tremendous with them. But you got you to gotta go for it. You got to go for it. And I just put here, you know, the issue with most people is that they're not aggressive enough. They're just waiting for someone to give them something or tell them what to do. They don't have any real drive to go after what they want. See, Caleb from Judah, Caleb came to Joshua and asked him for the mountain. Joseph said that this territory isn't enough for us. We're a great people. We're looking for more land to conquer. Some people, just, some people just got that aggressive thing on the inside of them. Like, you know, yeah, I'm going for more, man. This, this is all right, but there's more out there. There's more. I mean, you know, being grateful, of course, but there's more. 
and just aggressive enough to just go after it, go get it. And that's why you see people attaining because they are not afraid to go for it. They're not afraid to go after it. Or we sit back and we, we're just kind of, you know, I don't know where we get that in Christianity. Like we, we kind of just lose, you know, like our common sense. Like it's like, you know, when you're in the world, you know, you know you got to go for it, you know. When you come over to Christianity, you forget. You think God's just going to hand you everything. God gives you the edge. You know what I'm saying? He gives you the advantage as you go for things. He'll give you the edge and the advantage. He'll give you favor, which helps you go further. If, you're, if you take what you have there and apply it to here in a godly way, God can begin to get on it and cause you to go much further. But don't get this lazy thing on you and put your feet up and think God's going to do everything. He don't. We are co-laborers, the Bible says, together with God. We work together. We do our part, and then God gets involved once we've done all we can do. So, all right, I got I to close, man. I got to close. I'll just give you a couple of scripture, scriptures just to, just to kind of illustrate the point that nothing that you're going for in life, there's nothing impossible for you because everything is possible when God has his hand on you. So in Mark 10, 27, the Bible says, and Jesus looking unto them said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. In Luke 18, 27, he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible to God. And then in Mark 9, 23, he says, Jesus said unto them, if you can't believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now I put here, just like the Israelites will all face all faced impossible situations. We all have to face impossible situations. And I put here, impossible situations require God's intervention. If you have a situation that's possible for you to handle, then you don't need God. Why? Because it's within the realm of possible. In fact, God fully expects you to handle the possible, even the difficult. <laughs> Why? Because it's possible for you to handle it. When the situation crosses over to the realm of the impossible, that's when God begins to step in. The only thing that you're required to do is believe that God can do the impossible for you. Like Jesus mentions in the scripture, all things are possible to him that believes. Your faith in God's ability to do the impossible will get you into and keep you in your promised land. Once you've done all you can do, God, I've done everything I can do. I said that to God this morning. I said, I've done all I can do. I've done everything I can do at this point. Now that I've done all I can do, now I'm going to trust in you. Now I'm going to stand. Now it's your turn. I, I cast this care upon you. I put this situation into your hands. And I'm not going to worry about it. You said be anxious for nothing. Don't, be in, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let my request be made known unto you. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep my heart and mind by Christ Jesus. So I said, I'm giving this all. I, I, I've, I've done all I can do. Now I give it to you. Now, do only what you can do. And 
And then you cast your cares upon him. And then you trust him. You give him praise and you trust him. And you allow his peace to come upon you. And then it says, finally, what things soever are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, there's any virtue and any praise, think on these things. Stop letting your mind be filled with worry. Stop letting it be filled with doubt and fear. Think on right things. Now that I've given it over to you, it's in your court, and I know you're well able to handle it. Now I'm just going to wait on you. Now I'm waiting on God. So don't ever think that your situation is impossible. Just because it's impossible to you don't mean it's impossible with God. Can you say amen? Everybody just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to close right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you for showing us the difference between perception versus reality. Our perception oftentimes, when we look at ourselves in comparison to what we're facing, we look like grasshoppers. That's sometimes our perception. And that perception of ourselves can cause us to be in fear and in doubt and in worry and in unbelief. But the real reality is, is that even though we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are, we have no need to fear because you're with us. Your rod or your word and your staff, your Holy Spirit, they comfort us. And the reality is that although what we're facing may be big and may be even bigger than us, it's not bigger than you. And you're well able in a moment's time to turn our situation around and cause it to work for our good. For you said in your word that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord to the called according to your purpose. Everything that we go through in life eventually is going to turn around and work for our good and for your glory. And Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen, amen, amen. Before we close, if you're here today, you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. Or if you know Jesus, but you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to get it right with God again, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. Also, this is for anybody that's looking at Facebook Live or on our podcast. If you're never giving your life to Jesus or you're backslidden, you want to give your life back to him, I want to pray for you. But if you're here today, just stand up. I want to pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. God wants to give you a new shot at life. So if that's you, just stand up and we'll pray for you. And anybody listening, we're going to pray for you. So let's all do that right now. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you raised from the dead. 
to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen, 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 amen. All right. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want everybody to say, I'm blessed and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful day and I'll see you Thursday or next Sunday. Love you.